Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Okay, all right. Um, so this week, um, as Pastor Daniel said, I, uh, Tiffany and I had the opportunity to go to the a significant church conference in Austin. And first of all... Um, it was supposed to be like 60 degrees or so, and um, it wasn't. Um, it was like 25 degrees. There was, a, there was ice falling from the sky. Um, there were a lot of things closed. It was, we, get, we got stuck. We got to spend an extra day in Austin, but also all the restaurants were closed, um, which was not cool because I love food. And um, we couldn't even get DoorDash. Um, we ordered, uh, we, we found a, a hotel, um, barely, because half the hotels in Austin were without power. Um, then we, uh, we ordered 7-Eleven um, to be delivered, and um, I ordered a pizza, which did not come, and I ordered uh, some wings and buffalo chicken strip things. And uh, the buffalo chicken strips, I think, had been there since... I don't know when, for days. Um, they were crusty and hard and disgusting. Um, the wings, uh, I took one bite of a wing and thought that it would be best for my health if I didn't eat a second bite of that wing. Um, so anyway, and all that was, what did I tell you, $40? I think it was $40. Um, so then uh, we waited three and a half hours, ate in the hotel restaurant, poor hotel restaurant. They were packed um, because it was the only place open. They had one actual employee of the restaurant and then, what, the hotel bookkeeper and the, and the hotel manager. Um, and those three were running the restaurant. The good thing is I didn't see anybody getting upset. Um, everybody was doing the best that they could. Um, we just made the best of it and laughed where we could and um, and didn't cry where we could have, and it was uh, it was interesting. So uh, so then we got to Santa Fe. We had a couple meetings. Um, I don't know. A lot of traveling this week, um, but I'm here. I'm really happy to be here. I was really excited that I got home yesterday about three o'clock, and um, it was warm, like like warm warm. Like I didn't have to wear a coat or a sweatshirt or anything. It was awesome, um, and I'm really glad to be home. But the conference was fantastic, um, and thank you guys so much for your prayers. Um, I believe that we made some divine connections, um, which was one of the reasons why we went. Um, we went to be refreshed, and we were refreshed. Um, so very, very good. I'm not going to use that quote today um, that... Uh, that Pastor used earlier, 
Um, but that was good stuff, and I'm probably gonna have a book that I'm gonna recommend to you here pretty soon, but I'm gonna get it and read it first. Um, but the, the quote comes from the book. Um, today we're gonna talk about family. Oh, one thing that I wanted to do, I'm sorry. Um, we have a, uh, an accomplished uh, wrestler in the house today. Danica is going to state, um, qualified for state, Danica Medina. So um, that's what, two weeks, Danica? That's when state is? All right, so uh, be praying for her as she represents all of us, right, um, at state. We're really excited about that. Um, lots of good things happening. Um, let's start with prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your acceptance. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to us to lead and to guide us, to lead us into all truth, to give us wisdom today. And so we call on the Holy Spirit to teach us, reveal the character of our Father to us. We ask that the words that I say, God, not be my words, but be your words, so that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, some people came in this morning and they were like, are you going on a trip? Um, I, I have to pack a lot of shoes when I go on a trip, but not, that's excessive. That's a lot. Um, no, I'm not going on a trip. Actually, everywhere that I go, I take this suitcase right here. Um, this suitcase has been through a lot. Um, it's kind of beaten. It's tattered. It's, it's worn. Um, a couple of... Uh, a couple of zippers are missing right here, but this is my jam. I love this thing right here, and um, if I can't pack it in here and in, uh, and in this backpack right here, then, then that's it. Um, half of these suitcases that are up here are the rest of my family's, and um, so when we go on trips, like this one's ours, um, there's another one somewhere that's like that size. I think this one's ours. This one's over, over here. Oh, look at that. This one over here, these. So we've got all kinds, right? And then we've got some luggage from other people and, and all kinds of things going on. This is significant, but we're not leaving on a trip today. Um, I did feel a little weird this morning because full disclosure, while I was in Santa Fe, I lost my wedding ring. And I don't know where or when. I felt like it was probably in my truck, but I have this bad habit when I drive of like kind of taking it off, playing with it as I drive. So I thought, well, maybe I dropped it in the truck, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure. And I looked all in the truck and I couldn't find it. So this morning, I have no wedding ring on and I'm loading every bag that we have in the back of my truck. And I'm like, this probably looks super bad, you guys. And then I found my ring on the floorboard of the truck um, I don't know where it came from, but anyway, it was right there and put my ring back on, still had all my luggage, so um, we're having a good time. Anyway, we're talking about family today, and how many know that sometimes family is just functional dysfunction? Anybody ever seen any dysfunction in your family? Like if we're being for real? Like, I mean, this isn't your, like the Instagram portrayal of your family, this is the real the real family, and we've got some dysfunction in, in the family. If we're a family in here, we're the familia, right? We have some dysfunction in this family, right? From time to time, or all the time. 
we have some dysfunction in the family. I believe that we can have functional dysfunction, but in this family, everybody's welcome. Amen? And if everybody's going to be welcome, it's not going to be a pretty picture all the time because some of y'all are kind of messed up. And some of me is kind of messed up, right? And so when we all come together and we take all of our messed up parts and all of our good parts and we put it all together, it doesn't look like the picture perfect family, but it's a beautiful family. Amen? We all have a different story. We all come from a different background. We all have a different part to play. We have a God-given desire for community. Every one of us has a God-given desire for community. We were meant to do this life together, but God's way of doing family is not the way that the world does family. God does things better. It's a better way. It's built on better promises. God has a better way of doing things. And we have to get to know what God's way of doing things is. And so sometimes we have to unlearn some of the things that we've learned, right? When we want to do things God's way, because we have a perspective that we've learned over time that our, our cultural representation is, or that our physical family is, or all of these different things that go in to what make up our ideas and our thoughts. But God's way of doing things is different, not only different, but it's better. And so when we take the time to learn about what God's way is, then we're a healthier family, we're a stronger family, and not only does it affect our family here inside this building, but it also affects our, our physical families back at home because we begin to do things God's way, amen? C.S. Lewis, one of the great writers, and I would say, I don't know if he's considered a philosopher, but I would say one of the great philosophers of, um, uh, of this age, I consider him this age, he said this, he said, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Think about that. And I think we should have it up there. I'm not sure. But it says, uh, I'm going to read it again. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. The thing about it is that if we find ourselves not satisfied, we're not quite getting there, we're not meeting the, the, the desires that are in our heart, we're not fully satisfied by the experiences that we're having on this earth, then the reality is that we need to tap into what God has because we're not getting it. And so we need to see how God does it. How does God, we have a desire for community, but so many of us just keep looking and looking and looking and looking. And that's because we're not doing it God's way. I believe that there's a better way. Because when you have a revelation a family is not just something that you do in this house. It's something that you live everywhere that you go. Think about your own families, your family name, your family culture, your family heritage. It's not something that you just do at home. You carry it with you whether you like it or not. 
It's who you are. It's something that you live everywhere. You don't just attend the event. You have the family name tattooed on your heart. That's how we need to begin thinking about the family of God. It's not just so we attend the event. We come to church. We attend the events. It's not about just attending the event. It's about living it because I've got the statutes and the precepts and the purposes of God tattooed on my heart. It's who I am. It's never going to be removed. See, this is not only the family of God as a whole. That's this community. That's this culture. There are different communities and cultures all over the city, all over this world. Somebody would say, well, I believe in the global church. I don't believe there ought to be different churches or different denominations. I would disagree with that because every one of us have different cultures, different community, different desire, different styles, different ideas. And it's okay if there are different places to connect. I, some of my dearest friends go to different churches. And that's okay because they're connecting in a place where they have community and culture, where they're receiving from the Spirit of God. I pray for them. There are many, many Sunday mornings, almost every Sunday morning, I send texts to pastors, both in Carlsbad and out of Carlsbad, praying for your services today. Why? Because I believe that the Spirit of God needs to move not only in Word of Life Church, but all over this city, all over this nation, all over this world. Amen? Amen. Praise God. There are enough people that are unchurched in Carlsbad, New Mexico, to fill the seats of every church in this city. I don't have to be shopping for people at other churches. Amen? Praise God. So we pray for other churches. We invest in other churches. But what I'm talking about today is not just the family of God, but this family, this community, this local establishment. There are people in this room that I consider family but I don't have their blood, right? On paper, I'm not their family. I consider them family, but I don't have their DNA. See, I consider family, the family of God outside of these four walls. I consider the churches down the street and across town. They're all the family of God, but this is where our DNA is. This is where our culture is. This is where our community is. We have different ideas and we do things differently. Now, in, in our family, I was thinking about this the other day, that in our family, um, every Valentine's Day, I don't even remember how this tradition started, but every Valentine's Day, our family, Tiffany, Brooklyn, Connor, we have fondue night on Valentine's Day as a family. Now, there's other things that, you know, we have at our house, and they've kind of become traditions and things, but this is just us four, and we have fondue night on Valentine's Day. One year, we were out of town, um, and we, I was actually, I had to be in Santa Fe for some meetings, and um, Tiffany and the kids came up, and they met me on Valentine's Day so that we could have fondue night. We tried to do it there, but we didn't have our stuff. It was a disaster, like the worst fondue ever. And um, we just, we tried to buy all the things and brought our fondue pot, but it just wasn't, 
It just wasn't the same. It didn't work. And so we actually drove to Albuquerque the next day uh, on the way home and, um, and went and ate fondue at the melting pot because our fondue was so bad the night before. Um, but we have that tradition. Now, maybe you don't have that tradition. Maybe you have a different tradition at your house for Valentine's Day. Maybe you have no tradition at your house for Valentine's Day. And there's not a right or wrong way involved in that. But for us, that's our culture, Right? Those are the practices and and the traditions. You could say those are the liturgies that we have in our house, and you have some that are different than mine, and we probably have some that are the same. And those aren't like a right way or a wrong way. They're just different ways. We've got to be able to come together and say, I love the, 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 the churches outside of these walls, and I love the families outside of these walls, but there are just some things that are special to us. And it doesn't mean that they're doing it wrong and we're doing it the only way that it can be done. It's just different. And even though it's different, we're all family. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. One thing that I want to really focus on, and we're going to get into this today, um, but I want to just kind of rapid fire a couple of things. And Pastor talked about this just a little bit um, earlier. Family doesn't walk out on family. Most people blame God for moving them from church to church or family to family instead of being planted in the family that they've been called to. And more often than not, it's because of an offense that could be healed in the safety of the family. But instead of growing as a family, we walk out on family. As family shouldn't be that way. We're gonna talk about that just a little bit more next week. Not from a condemning way, but just wanna to to help us to grow as a family. A couple other things here is family honors family. I believe that we ought to honor one another. Family honors family. Family doesn't talk to those outside the family about the challenges of the family. Every family's got challenges. But we don't need to be going around talking about the challenges of the family to those outside of the family. Let's talk to those in the family. And let's solve the challenges. Let's get better as a family. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Family loves you in the midst of your dysfunction. Family doesn't shoot the wounded, but it cares for them. Amen? Praise God. Amen? God has shown us an example of the familia in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I don't have this up there today. I have a few verses, a few isolated verses that are up there. But I really want you to follow along with me. We're going to read this whole chapter. I want you to follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, whether it's on your phone, um, your Bible app, or, or your paper Bible, or whatever it is that you brought with you today. But I want you to follow along with me, maybe make a couple of notes as we go through this, because I know that Pastor talked about it last week in, in detail as well. And so we're gonna go through some of these things and bring out some points that I believe God has for us, because I think it's a picture of who we are excuse me, as a family. So verse one, if everybody's there, it says this. You know, back in the day, sorry, back in the day when you would preach um, and people were on in, in their paper Bibles, you could tell everybody was there when you stopped hearing the pages turn. Um, 
So you would like say it and then like say the verse and then you would wait a minute and then when you could kind of hear, you're like, is everybody there? If you don't get, what would they say? If, if you haven't found it yet, you're not going to, I'm gonna go on or whatever. Um, well, maybe you pulled it up. I need like a ding, you know, when you get to like 1 Corinthians 12, ding. All right, we're there. 1 Corinthians 12, one. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I'm reading out of the New King James, by the way, um, and so if you have the option there and you can switch translations, if you're not there already, it'll help you to follow along. Verse two, you know that you were Gentiles. Gentiles just means those outside the family. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Verse three, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Say, God works all in all. That's everything in everyone. Go ahead and say that. Everything in everyone. We'll say the whole thing again. God works all in all. That's everything in everyone. So everything that you see, if we're following after God, if, if we're in the family of God, it's God working in them to accomplish his purpose and his plan in them. Amen? And so the things that you see, a lot of times we like to be critical when we look around and we see maybe the progress of a person or we like to point out maybe what their faults are and things like that. But the reality is that it's God working all things in everyone. God is working all in all. And so I'm not qualified to say you should be in another position today than you are because of X, Y, and Z. I'm not qualified because God is the one that's working all in all. It's not me doing it. Amen? And it's not you doing it. God is working all in all. Let's go on. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse eight, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit, again, works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Say, as he wills. God is distributing to each one individually. He says, to one, he gives this. To another, he gives this. To another, he gives this. And still another, he gives this. But it's the same spirit distributing to each one as he wills. How does he decide? I don't know. He didn't ask me. He didn't say, what do you think about me giving this person this or that person that? How many think that God knows better than we do? Amen? He's distributing, and he's working all in all. Verse 12, it says, for as the body is one, 
it has many members. But all the members of that body, being many, are one and also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. I was asked this week, what's the best thing happening at your church? And it was easy for me. We are starting to understand that the body is not one member, but many. That's the best thing happening in this church, that we're understanding. I told this guy, um, this is weird, you guys, because um, I, I met this guy, or I guess, um, re-met? How do you say that? Anyway, um, in October, um, when I went to a pastor's uh, retreat in October, and um, so I walked in, I knew he looked familiar, but I just, I, this was crazy out of my comfort zone, but I thought, I don't know anybody here. The only person that I knew was the, um, the director of the, um, of the weekend, and he's the one that invited me to go. And so I, I didn't know anybody else, but I thought, I'm just going to go and meet people. So I just went up and awkward and everything, hey, what's up? Um, tried to meet people. Well, one of the first people that I met was, um, was this guy named Josh Fiery. He's a pastor um, in Arkansas. And I thought, man, he looks so familiar. Um, what I found out was he had come to our church and played percussion for his cousin, one of my great friends, Jonathan Fiery, a long time ago, a long, long time ago. He actually talked about you guys because he went to your house. Um, y'all probably remember. Um, I remember now that he was here. But anyway, um, so I met him in October, and we stayed in touch a little bit, but I didn't know he was going to be at Significant Church in Austin until he walks in, and I'm like, bro. So anyway, we, uh, we got to talk a little bit more and hang out, but he's the one that asked me and asked everyone at our table, what's the best thing happening at your church? And I said, man, it, it's so easy for me because we have an entire Wednesday night service that we didn't have before. We had youth on Wednesday nights, but that's it. And now we have an entire Wednesday night service because the members begin to understand that the body was many members, but one body. And so they began doing things to further the body. There are things happening. We have a men's ministry now that is so incredible and God is moving in our men's ministry because we have realized that it's not one, it's many. People would say to me and to Pastor Daniel all the time, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? Because I can't do anymore. I don't have any more time. I cannot physically do any more than I'm doing. Yes, we need to do these things, but we just can't do it. And that's why the body is many. Amen? The body is many. There are more people being ministered to on a weekly basis at Word of Life now than have ever been. And you may say, well, our attendance still isn't at the level that it was before COVID. It's not. It's not at that level yet. We're coming up. But we're not at that level yet that we were before. But there are more people being ministered to on a weekly basis than ever before. And it's because we have understood that the body is not one, but it's many. Many members of the body. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, am I not of the body, or I am not of the body, is it therefore not? 
Verse 16, if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But God has set the members, each one of them, in the body as he pleased. Say this with me. God set the members in this body as he pleased. See, that takes out any room for jealousy in the body. It takes it out. Because God set each member in the body as he pleased. And so if you don't think that somebody should be in the position that they're in, in the body, take it up with God because he set them in the body as he pleased. And if you think you know better than him, good luck on your argument. Amen? Because God set them in the body as he pleased. If they were all one member, where would the body be? And now indeed there are many members, but there's one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. That's, I love that one and it gets me every time because if we think about who is the head of the body, Jesus is the head of the body. And if Christ is the head of the body, he can't say to any member of the body, I don't need you. Think about that. It's not just one of us saying to another member, Jesus can't say to any member of the body, you're not important, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. Now look at this, and we're gonna camp out here for a minute. In verse 22, it says, no, much rather those members of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body that we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need. But God has composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. God has given a greater honor to those parts that lack honor. Every single one of us have been in that boat at some point. Hey, what's up, bro? You doing good? Did you, did you get all your stuff? Did you bring all your stuff? Hey, uh, Albert, can you help him like carry some of his stuff? Roland came in here with a lot of stuff. We just let's just put it up here with all the other stuff if you don't mind. Cool. Thank you. Those are some nice bags. That, that big one looks like mine. I have one just like it. That's crazy. So, hey, Roland, if you don't mind, come up here. I have a couple questions for you. Um, check, check. So, the, Roland's been, how long have you been going to Word of Life? Quite a while? Five years. Five years. So, Roland, uh, when you first came here, did you have any bags with you when you came? Yes, I have plenty. <laughs> you have plenty? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first time that you came, um, were you ready to just get rid of all your bags? Actually, no. I wasn't ready at all. I didn't give it up until about two years after. So when you started getting rid of your bags, did you just get rid of them all at once? No. One at a time. One at a time. Little by little. <laughs> What made you want to get rid of your bag, your baggage? Uh, God's love. 
more and more. He was showing me where I needed to be, and I couldn't do it with all the baggage carrying. Right, right. So. Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. You know, every single one of us have come in here with bags. Every one of us have. You know, these, I, I said that some of these are my bags. Some of these are your bags. So you brought them in here. You bring them in here every week. Some of you brought a lot more than you could carry. Some of you are still bringing a lot more than you can carry, right? And we carry these things in, and in the church, a lot of times, we've been real fond of saying, if you come in here with bags, like you come in here with this, I want to meet you at the door, and I want to cast out your bags, right? We've been saying, no, 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 you don't need to carry those in here. And we do it in the name of love. And we say, no, I love you so much. So we're not going to carry this baggage in here. But what they don't understand is that this bag has been with me for a really long time. Like I just came in here. But this bag, guys, this bag right here, literally this bag has been with me all over the world. It's tried and true. What do I do when I'm going on a trip? I grab this bag. I fill it up with everything. I fill it to the brim. It's got an expansion on it so I can shove more stuff in it, right? I carry this bag with me. You know what I carry in this bag all the time? Look at this. I carry this in this bag with me all the time. This is an ankle brace. I haven't had a problem with my ankle in like four years, but I carry this with me because one time I was in Las Vegas and I re-injured my ankle and I was miserable because I couldn't walk, I was hobbling everywhere, it hurt like crazy, so I carry this because I'm ready for anything that I need. I carry this in case an airline loses my luggage. This happened to me in Miami. In Miami, they couldn't find my bag, and they said, I don't think it made it here. I said, no, it did. It's in that closet right there because I can track it. You just need to go look in the closet. I'm not allowed to go there. But if you'll go there, and we opened up the door, and they said, you can come in here. So then I had permission, and I went in, and I found my bag. It was right there. I could show them right where it was. I tracked it. That's how much I love this bag <laughs> and the stuff that I put in it. I'm like, I'm not losing this back. See, so whenever you come in to this church and we say, no, 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 you need to get rid of all your bags right now. You say, oh, but I love this bag. It's been with me a long time. This is just the way I do relationships. I know that it hurts me, but maybe the next one's gonna be better. The next one, the next one is gonna be the one that, that stays with me. The next one. No, it's my, it's my safety net. It's, it's, it's kind of like my, my comfort. It's just the way I do things. It's just the way I was brought up. I don't think I can shake this. I don't know what your bag is today. I don't know what your baggage is that you carry it in here. But when you come in here, I know that you're bringing your bags. You know what? We love you, and we love your bags. We love your baggage We'll help you bring in your baggage. And then when you're ready to get rid of it, we're ready to help you get rid of it. Amen? Because God is working in you. God's establishing his purpose and his plans in you. Amen? I can't tell you which bag you need to get rid of today. But I can love you. And I can say, I'm here when you want to get rid of it. When it's time to get rid of it. 
when you have reached the point where you're like, okay, I can let go. See, some of you, you come in and you're still holding on to the bag and you're trying to serve, right? We're like, we're over here, we're hanging on. To, I can't do this. We're hanging on to some of our bags and you're trying to, to greet people at the door and you're like, hey, how are you? Sorry, my bag's getting in the way. I'm sorry, but how are you, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How are you, sir? You doing good? You doing good? But we don't want to let go. It's okay. It's okay because we're here and we love your bags and it's all right. But one day you say, you know what? It's really difficult with this bag because I'm trying to serve others. And so I think I'm going to let Jesus take this bag. And I'm going to, I'm still holding on to the other ones because I'm not quite ready to let them go. But I'm going to get rid of that bag so it frees up a hand so that I can shake some hands and be the hands of Jesus so that I can be the feet of Jesus today. Amen. I'm still being weighed down a little bit, but it's okay because I'm growing and I'm progressing. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. It's really hard to be the hands and feet of Jesus when we're holding our bags, but sometimes we just have to keep showing love. We just have to keep showing grace. We just have to keep showing acceptance while Jesus is being formed, while the family name is being tattooed on your heart. Amen? Sure, it's messy, it's messy, but there's growth. God's building family. In Proverbs 14, verse four, Proverbs chapter 14, verse four, it says, where there is no oxen, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. <laughs> sure, we could have a clean house, but we wouldn't be an effective house. We could have a clean house, but we wouldn't be a productive house. Where there's no oxen, the trough is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. Over the years, and I don't know if every church is like this, I'm not gonna say like, oh, we are the only church. I think there's probably a lot of churches like this. But over the years, we've gotten criticism from those inside the church and those outside of the church of people that we've allowed to serve in our church. But the reality is that I don't think Whenever somebody wants to do somewhat, something for God, that they need our permission to do it. But I can tell you what they need is our encouragement, right? They need our strength. They need somebody to believe in them. Is it messy? 100%. It's messy. 100%. Could they be more effective if they would just let go of the bags? Sure. But it was a lot for them to just come in here and gather up all their stuff and come through the door. It was a lot. I don't know what it took. Who am I to say? I just need to show love. As I begin to show love, sometimes people, when they come into this house carrying bags, we forgot that we had our own bags. We want to act like we didn't. We forget what we've been forgiven from. But I can tell you this. I've been forgiven a lot And I don't know your story. I don't know what you've been forgiven. But I know you've been forgiven a lot. I know that the hand of God has been on your life. I know that you've had struggles and you've had hurts and you've had pains. I know the fights that you've fought every single day. And I know that these bags have been near and dear to you for a really long time. 
But I know that there's chain-breaking power in the kingdom of God. I know that in the family of God, that chains can be broken, that blind can see, that lost can be found, that you can be set free from the chains that hold you. And so just come. Just come. You're welcome in this house. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 through 34, just going to tell the story. I'm not going to read it all. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a certain king that wanted to settle an account with his servants. And the servant that came forward, he owed him 10,000 talents. I did a lot of research on 10,000 talents, and I have over the years. And honestly, if you look online, you type in how much money is 10,000 talents, you're going to find all different kinds of answers. But one thing in common, it's a lot of money. A lot, a lot. Like some people say that it's over a billion dollars. I read, even last night I read it's like $3.2 billion. Some say it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. The point is, it's more than any of us in this room will earn in a lifetime. It's more than all of us in this room combined will earn in a lifetime. A ton of money. He wasn't able to pay. And in that custom and that culture, if you weren't able to pay a debt, then they would sell your wife and kids in order to go towards the debt for however much they could get for them. And so the man came before the master and he just pleaded. He said, Master, you know I can't pay this. Please have mercy on me. And the master showed mercy. And he wiped out his debt completely. Just wiped it out. And so when the guy had been forgiven of his debt, he went out into the street and he sees a guy who owes him money. What this guy owed him was 100 denarii. And a, a hundred denarii, um, a, a denarii was about a day's wage. And so if you think about it, you do the math, we work about 200, just to give you a, a perspective, we work about 270 days a year if you work a five-day schedule. And so he owed him less than half or about a third of a year's wages. So just think about that, how much money you make. It's about a third of what you make. Still a lot of money, right? Who of us could just pay somebody a third of what we make in an entire year? We couldn't do that. But it was much less than what the man owed his master. And he came to him and he said, hey man, you owe me money. And the guy was like, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't pay you. I'm sorry, please have mercy on me. Sounds really familiar. And the guy said, no, I'm not gonna forgive you. You're a wicked servant. And he went and it says he threw him in prison till he would pay all the debt. So his fellow servant saw what had been done and he took him before the, the king, the master, and he said, this guy, you just forgave him. And then he couldn't even show mercy on his brother who owed him far less. And here at the end, he said, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and he delivered him to the torturers until he paid all that was due him. When we think about how much we've been forgiven, 
we think about the chance, the opportunity that God gave us. We need to have mercy on our family. Amen? We need to have mercy on those around us. And this family, you're welcome. No strings attached. But we'll take your strings. Because maybe you have strings attached somewhere else. So in this family, you're welcome. No strings attached, but we'll take your strings. It's okay. We'll take your bags. We'll take your hurts. We'll take your stories. We'll take your dysfunction. We'll take it all. Bring it into the house. Because in this house, there's hope. So we're gonna open the door for you. In fact, we'll even help you carry in your stuff into this house, but we'll also help you get rid of your stuff when you're ready. You know what? I don't, I don't know what's in any of these bags, except for mine. I know it's in mine, but other than, I don't know what's in. Some of these, they feel empty, but I don't know if they're empty or not. I haven't opened them. This one right here, it says Hayden on it, and it's not empty. I don't know what's in it, but that she's got some serious baggage going on right here, some serious stuff. <laughs> but I don't, know, I don't know what's in any of these bags. The baggage that you bring in here, it's not my business what's in any of your baggage. I don't know what's in your bags. I'm not gonna look to see what's in your bags. But something happens when a revelation of the love of Jesus comes alive on the inside of you and chains begin to fall off. See, when the grip that, that you have on these bags that you've held onto for years and you think you have to carry, it just starts to loosen. That grip begins to loosen a little bit because love is coming alive in you. And then you're ready to let go of the bag. And then you're ready to let go and, and forget the bag. And Jesus tosses it as far as he is from the west and he takes your bag and he says I don't want to see that bag anymore I'm going to dispose of the bag because I'm done with it because it's no longer a part of who you are amen resurrection power is here amen praise God as a pastor I can't make you walk in freedom but I can welcome you in the house in this house is the same power that freed Jesus from the grave, and that's what's gonna free you, amen? Hallelujah. I can't, I can't make you be free, but I can show you the freedom I've found. I can show you love, I can pick you up when you're hurting, I can point you to peace when you're in distress. I can trust that one day you're gonna grab a hold of the arms of Jesus that have been surrounding you for so long. where one day you'll let the healer heal. I believe, I trust that one day you'll let the Prince of Peace calm your heart, that you'll let the Savior begin to save, amen? amen. Guys, if we have this thought, if we have this idea, if we move forward with this, that we love you, that we care for you, that these bags are okay, we can take care of them for a little while until you're ready to dispose of them, and then we let Jesus take them, if we let Jesus work on hearts and we don't feel the responsibility to change people, verse 25, that there be no schism in the body. That word schism means division. How many times is there division in the church? There shouldn't be division in a family. Not in God's family. 
Not in your family. Not if we're doing it God's way. If we give honor to the weaker parts, he says there's no schism or no division in the body. But that the members should have the same care one for another. We have the same care for one another. See, when we place honor on the weaker parts, we won't be divided. We won't have jealousy. What about this? We won't have gossip if we place honor on the weaker parts. We won't have gossip. You can't gossip about somebody who's transparent. You can't, you just, it's impossible to God. If somebody comes and begins to try and tell me something that you've done or something that you've said, I don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't bother me because I know that you're someone who is earnestly seeking after God, but you're not perfect anyway. And so I don't care what you've done. It doesn't change my view of you. I view you as somebody who's going after God, that's trying to become the image of of him. It gets rid of gossip in the church because there's no division when we place honor. I, I saw you come in with all the bags. I know you got bags. I don't know what's in them. I don't need to know. I don't care. It's not my business. Do you have bags? Sure, I do too. One right there, one right there. We all have things that we've come in here with that God's freed us from. What about this? What if somewhere along the line you picked up another one? Have we ever done that? We pick up another one. It doesn't mean you leave the family. You picked up another one? Oh, man. I wish you wouldn't have done that, but just like I loved your bag the first time you came in, I love it now. Bring it in. Put it at the front. If you want to take it home, go ahead. One day you won't. And it's okay. Let's let Christ be formed in you. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. The only time that you have a, a gossip problem is when you don't trust the company that you're in. That's when you can't be transparent, right? You don't trust the company that you're in. Then you try to make yourself look better because you want to put somebody else down so that you can look better, so that you can position yourself better in the family, whatever it may be. I'm here to tell you that this church is made up of people that were lost but are being found. This church is made up of people that were blind but are starting to get their sight. This church is made up of people that have been broken but God's putting them back together. This church is made up of people who had no hope but when they heard the gospel of Jesus... It may not always show on the outside, but there's a transformation happening on the inside. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. It's a holy roar that's coming from way down deep. It's transforming our actions. It's overtaking our thoughts. It's a better way built on better promises. 
A better way built on better promises. We're going to expand that thought next week. What is a better way built on better promises? That's what God has called us to. This may sound foolish to those that are perishing, but the Bible says to those that are being saved, it's the power of God. There are people on the outside of the family that look and say, why did they welcome that? I thought you were church people. I thought you went to church. How come you do that? I saw that bag that you carried. I thought you went to church. And you say, you know what? I do go to church. And God is working on the inside of me, and he's forming me, and he's changing me, and he's molding me. Maybe it's foolishness to you, but to me, it's the power of God. I could come up and I could try to pray these bags away, but you're going to pick them up again. I could try to pray them away. We could try to cast them out, but you're going to pick them up again. But when Christ is formed in you, then you let go. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says in verse 26, we're still in 1 Corinthians 12, believe it or not. I've been going a long time, you guys. I got a little bit more. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Why do we get so excited in here when we have somebody going to state for wrestling? Why do we get so excited in here when somebody gets a promotion in their job? Because when a member is honored, we're all honored. I take it really personally, amen? Praise God. I take it really personally. Whenever you're hurting, I take it personally. Whenever you're honored, I take it personally. Why? Because we're familia. Amen? Praise God. It says, now you are the body of Christ and your members individually. And again, he says, God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. But are all apostles? But are all prophets? but are all teachers, but are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. I think in all the scripture, we have to remember that the scripture is inspired by God. Chapter and verses was not. And I think that this is one of the worst examples of going from chapter 12 to chapter 13 because it's continuing the thought. And so let's not let those numbers 12, 13 get in the way and let's continue the thought. I show you a more excellent way because though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I don't have love, I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains if I have not love, I am nothing. And if I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned if I have not love, it profits me nothing. In the church, we've become very fond of the supernatural but we've forgotten the familia. The supernatural enables us to live inside out and love in a more excellent way. But we have to do it through love. He goes on to say, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. These are all things that describe the family. Love is not puffed up. It does... Um, 
I'm sorry, love is not puffed up. Uh, I copied and pasted the same verse here. Love is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. There we go. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, get this, but where there are prophecies, they fail. He says, and where there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now that may be contradictory to your religious ideas because even Paul talked about how he speaks with tongues. Paul talked about prophecy. In, in the, the chapter right before, in this same thought, in 1 Corinthians 12, he said that a gift that the Holy Spirit has given us is prophecy. And so why would he say the Holy Spirit gave us prophecy, but prophecy's gonna fail? Why would he say, I speak with tongues more than you all, but he says, tongues will cease, right? Why would he say these things? But if you go on, you see, he says, because we know in part and we prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Is prophecy a gift that God's given the church? 100%. Is tongues a gift that he's given the church? 100%. The Holy Spirit came to guide us into all truth, to teach us all things so that we can grow in knowledge. Is knowledge given to the church? 100%. And God wants us to grow in all of those things. But the point is that we grow in it, and in our state today, we prophesy in part. And we know in part. And we speak in part. Because we haven't reached that maturity. What's the one thing that doesn't fail? Love. That's the one thing that doesn't fail. Love. And so should you prophesy? When the Spirit of God moves, you should prophesy. Should you speak with tongues? You should speak with tongues. We believe in speaking with tongues at this church. Should you try to gain knowledge and grow in the things of God? You should try every single day to grow in the knowledge of who God is because it just makes you stronger. But all of those things we do in part, but love will never fail us. You're never gonna go wrong when you love. See, I can speak with tongues so much that I become tone deaf to the needs of my brother. I can prophesy so harshly that I fail to understand the room. This week at our pastor's retreat, there was a pastor that stood up and he was prophesying and then he said, I feel like there's people in this room that have words for other people, but I'm gonna tell you this, here's something that you should not do. We're not gonna tolerate this in this room. I don't want you to go and prophesy about somebody else's sin. He said, whether or not you have a word for it, and you might be right, but that's not what we're gonna talk about. Sometimes we can prophesy so harshly. The thing about it is maybe God reveals something that needs to be changed in you, but if I don't have a relationship with you, I don't have a right to say that in your life. Because I don't know the room. 
But you know what's not gonna fail me? Love. Love. But if I would have said to Roland the first time that he came through the door, you need to drop all those bags at the door, the Spirit of God says, he would have just walked right out the door. But instead we love. I can say that with confidence because I know this guy. He would have probably said a few words on the way out. Because he wasn't ready. Roland, is your life better without the bags? But you weren't ready to hear it day one. Amen? Praise God. See, what I'm saying, it might not be wrong, but in the con- it might not be wrong in content, but it's wrong in spirit. And if I'm losing my brother and sister, then I'm not doing it in love. I'm failing because I'm doing it in part. I can be so caught up in doing the work that I miss the relationship, but there's a more excellent way. Maturity says the only thing that will never fail me is love. Last thing, promise. Family represents everywhere that they go. The Bible says this in Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the family will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. We've taken that very much in the church to say that every village, every tribe, every tongue. And I believe that the message of Jesus needs to go out to everyone. But Romans also says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen by creation. And it says, so there's no excuse. Many people have asked the question, well, are the people that have never heard the name of Jesus accountable if they don't call on his name? Are they gonna go to hell when they die? There are people that have died in this world that have never heard the name Jesus. But I believe that God in his mercy, I don't know how it works, but God in his mercy has a way to tug on the hearts of people to cry out for something that they don't know. It says the invisible things of God are clearly seen through the things that he's made. Maybe they don't know the name Jesus. But I guarantee you that when we get to heaven, we will see people that never heard the name Jesus that cried out. That cried out to the person who made that mountain that they don't understand. Who cried out to the person that gave them breath in their lungs. A God. A being. I'm not saying there's other ways to God and I don't want to confuse you um, in, in any way by that. But what I'm saying is that there is a way that God tugs on the hearts of people to know him. But I believe here more than our linear view of maybe talking about specific tribes and tongues and nations, I believe that it's talking about influence and We see throughout scripture when it says worlds, the worlds were framed by the word of God. This means areas of influence and areas of of everyday life that are framed by God. There's something that we've been talking about in this church for a long time and we just, it just keeps coming back over and over again. But but there's a, a, 
there's a concept that was written about several years ago um, called the seven mountains of influence. And I believe that when he says this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world to a witness, as a witness to all the nations, I believe that he's talking about the gospel or the good news of this family will be an influence in every major pillar in the earth. And we're not there yet. But those seven pillars, those seven mountains of influence, seven areas of influence, religion, media, entertainment, business, government, education, family. I can say them again. If you wanted to write them down, you can also Google it. It's all over. Seven mountains of influence, religion, media, entertainment, business, government, education, and family. One of the things that we're very famous for doing as Christians is expecting everyone that comes to God to be perfect on day one. And I don't know how long you've known Jesus, but you're not perfect yet. And so when we have, and I'm just gonna use high profile things, but when we have somebody like Justin Bieber that sings Jaira um, at a church service, and then he has another song that has um, cussing in that song, and we say, oh, well, he must have not really had um, a, a conversion. Some people would say that, right? We have Kanye West that released the number one Christian album, and he spoke at all kinds of churches, and then he did a lot of stupid stuff, um, and we're like, well, he should have never been speaking. Why? Just because he's famous, why do we say that he can't give his testimony too? I, I read a quote by um, a guy named Rich Mullins. I don't know how many of you guys have heard of him. Rich Mullins was a, um, a Christian artist back in the 80s. Um, wrote, Our God is an Awesome God. You guys have probably heard that song. Um, but Rich Mullins said about Christian artists, he said, we're not pastors. If you want a pastor, go to a church. We're musicians that love God. We're trying our best. There are people that, and, and we discourage people from having an outlet. We discourage people from using their gifts and talents because we're gonna criticize them like we're looking for them to spiritually, to spiritually guide us. How can we expect the gospel to influence culture if we confine the talent to the walls of the church until you're ready to go out and to use your talent for God? More than that, just because you make movies and you accept Christ doesn't mean you need to make Christian movies. Why don't you be an influence where you're at? What if you went in and Christ is being formed in you and you start doing things a different way? I don't believe that God wants us to Christianize everything and make it come into this circle of the family. We live the family outside of the walls because the name has been tattooed on our hearts. And so when we go out, 
we're spreading the family values outside of the walls, not trying to just bring it all in. We're making a change in the world around us. God's way is better. And it's his way that'll be formed in this world. Amen? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. I know I said I would close like 30 minutes ago. I'm closing with this statement right here so the worship team can come up with this thought. If the gospel is being preached in all the world, we look around at the world and we say, man, it is ugly out there. Man, it's so bad. Can you believe that this happened? Can you believe that that happened? I just, I, I came, I've spent uh, about 10 days in the last two and a half weeks in Santa Fe. Some of the things that are being said, guys, are pretty contrary to the way, I'm good, to the ways of God. And the world keeps getting darker and darker and darker. I'm reminded of the children of Israel. We talked about it earlier today. I'm reminded of the children of Israel. Whenever God was calling them out, he said, so all will know that there's a difference between my people and the people of Egypt. So that all will know. Guys, it's becoming clear. Because perversion is running amok. Anything goes, a godless society, a godless lifestyle. But in the middle, I can assure you of this, God has never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle and he never will. Because his way is better and he is forming his church. He's building his family. We've been called to go out and to shine in the darkness. And I don't care how dark it is because even if it's darker, my light shines brighter. Amen? That's why it's important that here we're rock solid. I've made no secret about it. I believe that the political divide in our country that has crept into the church is a device from the pit of hell to tear us apart. We need to stop being torn apart. We need to know that we understand in part, that we prophesy in part. There's been a lot of prophecies. We prophesy in part. We know in part. But love never fails us. Love never fails us. We need to start considering our brother. We need to be family. We need to call people in. And when they come in, we need to welcome. We need to love. We need to allow Christ to be formed in them. And then let Jesus work out the details. God is so good, you guys. Next week, we're going to talk about a better family built on better promises. We're going to talk about the anointing of the family. Amen? I believe there's an anointing in the family. There's anointing in the body. We're going to talk about the anointing 
of the family. It's gonna be good. You guys don't miss it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your love and your acceptance. God, we thank you today for your favor. We thank you that we're chosen. We thank you that we get to be a part of this family. If you're here today or you're watching us online and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you into the family. Everybody's welcome. Sometimes you would say, well, I'm too messed up. I know you're messed up. Everybody in here is messed up. I even said everybody. Did you hear that? I was like, everybody in here. Everybody messed up. But we know the one that can fix us. Today, you want to join the family of God. The only thing that you have to do is believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's Lord. What you're saying is, Jesus, I can't do it without you. I need you. I need you. Your way is better than mine. So just say this prayer with me. And I want to invite everybody to say it, whether you're online or you're in the house today. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord because your way is better than mine. And I need your help. Jesus, thank you for dying for me and seeing beyond my faults to make a way for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it, the Bible says that now you're a child of God. I want to invite you to do one thing for me, actually two. One is drop us a line, write it on the back of a card, leave it in your chair. Something to let us know that you chose Jesus today. The second thing I'd like you to do is go to our website, which is wolcarlsbad.com, and click I Choose Jesus. When you do, there's a couple of videos to watch, and they're real short just to help you on your walk with God. And then there's also a book that you can download for free that's gonna help you out as you get started on your Christian life. It's called I Choose Jesus. The book is also available on Apple Books and it's available on Kindle. Second thing I wanna do today is, if you came in here today and you're struggling and in any area of life, we're family. And I know that we've already prayed for and, and ministered in regards to heaviness today. But if you're challenged in life physically, mentally, emotionally, relationship, financially, whatever it may be, we wanna pray with you today. Now, just like the bags, I said I'm not gonna open the bags. I don't need to know what's in the bags. I don't need to know what your challenge is today. I don't need to know what you're struggling with today in order to stand with you and to support you in this. In order to pray for you, I don't need to know. Sometimes the church traditionally has used prayer requests as a form of gossip. 
That's not how we are here. God knows your need, and I can stand with you. And so today, if you're struggling in any area, all I want you to do is I want you to lift up your hand just so I know who I'm praying with. And then if you're online, you can drop it in the chat or whatever and say, pray with me today. I'm raising my hand. Let's join together and let's pray. Just raise your hand if you're just challenged in any area today. Father God, we pray for our brothers and sisters. God, we thank you today that your word has made a way for them to live victorious. God, that you've never lost a battle. And so we speak to the battle that they're in in their life right now, that the Holy Spirit is bringing breakthrough, that the Holy Spirit is bringing answers, that Jesus is made known to the problem, and the name of Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And so we speak the name of Jesus over the problem in the name of Jesus, that the love of God rise up on the inside of them to know that you have made a way for them, that you are for them, that you are not against them. We give you thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen.